now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time. Like the last time, you better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Hey guys, Jamie here, and welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. Really hope you've been enjoying the last three chapters of my book, and we're just about to move into chapter four, which is Look, Feel, Think, Do. This is really going to get your brain thinking on what to look at, what to feel, what to think, and what to do. But before we get kickstarting into this audio chapter, I want to let you in on something which you might not know already. I'm extremely excited to be launching train with jay next week for those of you wondering what train with jay is it's an all male subscription site which is going to help you guys drop body fat and build muscle but not just that we've got closed facebook group we've got education we've got meetups we've got workshops we've got seminars we've got challenges we've got lots of cool things going on and it's only going to be 20 pounds a month I am so, so excited for this. And ladies, if you're listening, don't worry. I have something really exciting for you in the new year. If this is of interest to you, just head on over to www.trainwithj.co.uk. Give us your email address and I'll be contacting you very, very soon. That's it for me. Enjoy chapter four. Look, feel, think, and do. Chapter four. Look, feel, think, do. In the previous chapter, I gave an overview of the various elements that go towards shaping our environment. And in this one, I want to look more closely at some of the elements, starting off with diet, because this has such a huge impact on how we operate day to day and on how we look. Look. You are what you eat. It's as simple as that. If you are overweight, it's because you are putting too much into your body. And if you are underweight, you're not putting enough in. This is common sense, but unfortunately not common practice. If it were, we wouldn't have our current obesity crisis. To lose weight, you need to be in a caloric deficit. That said, everybody's nutrition needs are different, and it's not for me, in a book, to be telling you exactly what you should and shouldn't be eating. There is no such thing as the perfect diet, no matter how much people who have found a particular diet that suits them evangelize about it. This is something you'll have to work out for yourself, based on an honest appraisal of what and when you're eating. Being honest with yourself is half the battle. A lot of people say to me, I don't eat much, but I'm struggling to lose weight. That may be true. Perhaps they're not eating a lot in terms of quantity, but what they are eating has high calorific value. Take a donut, for example. A donut has around 500 calories, the same value as a proper meal of chicken and rice. The donut won't fill you up for long, leaving you ready for another 500 calories or more at the next mealtime. Poor food choices are an important factor. You need to try and focus on your protein intake because a high protein intake will satisfy you a lot more, making you feel less hungry. And if you are training, a higher protein intake will help to maintain muscle. And don't forget drink. Somehow liquids seem as though they must be very low in calories, but nothing could be further from the truth. A bottle of wine contains on average 700 calories. That's almost half the average female's calorie intake for a day. One glass of wine, on the other hand, can be easily accommodated into your calorie intake over a few days. If you're the sort of person who goes down the pub and sinks eight pints, 
you need to be aware that it's going to take your body at least 8-10 to 10 hours to burn off the calories from those points. And, because alcohol is a macronutrient, and the first thing that your body burns off, that's before it's even started on the kebab that you've had afterwards. Timing is important too. If you are not eating enough food during the day, you could well have an energy crash in the evening, which could leave you prone to overeating then. On the other hand, if you are someone who really can't face breakfast, it doesn't make sense to force yourself to eat it if you're only going to double up on those calories later on in the day. So how to tackle this? Again, writing it all down is the key to progress. I encourage my clients to spend a week being totally honest with themselves as they write a food diary. Not only do they need to log when and what they're eating, they also need to note down when they're hungry, when they're not hungry, when they're tired, and when they're thirsty to get a better picture of how their body works and perhaps even more significantly of their habits, some of which they may not have even been aware. This gives you an opportunity to harness some of those habits rather than try to change them. Remember, the less you try to change all in one go, the greater the chances of success. If you're somebody who doesn't eat a lot of food in the morning and then tends to overeat in the evening, the diet to suit you might be an intermittent fasting diet with a window for eating from 2pm to 8pm. The timing works within your habits and routines, and you simply will not be able to take on board an excessive number of calories during this time. I've listed a few tips to help with making changes to the way you look, but when you add them to all the other little tweaks I'm suggesting in this chapter, they'll also help to lay down the foundation for adopting new habits. Look. Understand what's really going on by starting a food diary. Swap over to having bottles of beer rather than pints. That could save around a 1,000 calories on a Friday evening. Consider vodka and tonic, which is less than 100 calories per drink. Don't force yourself to eat at times when you're not hungry. People don't eat so much when they're busy, so try to avoid letting yourself get hungry at times when you have nothing else to do but eat. Feel. Part of the reason that food can be such a problem for us is that we tend to have an emotional connection with it. It can make us feel fantastic, or it can make us feel terrible. We eat meals with our families to celebrate, and we often catch up with our friends by eating out with them, or we might eat out on our own when we're bored. The choices and habits handed down from our parents can be very hard to break away from as well. We tend to view them as normal and carry them on as our own traditions. When I was younger, my mum allowed me to go into the kitchen to make rock cakes or pizzas. On the one hand, not the healthiest of foods, but on the other hand, it encouraged my interest in recipes and led to the passion I have now for creating healthier meals and treats. Luckily, I was also very interested in my father's home gym and the extension to our bedtime we sometimes got which gave him a bit more time in his gym. Once you start to eat better quality foods in the right quantities, you are in fact starting up a virtuous cycle that generates a whole chain of rewards. You have more energy, so you feel more focused, because you feel more active now that you are lighter, you feel stronger, and you feel happier, because you are starting to achieve your goals. It's really important to take the whole package into account, but unfortunately too many people focus on looking good at the expense of feeling good. I speak from experience on this, believe me. When I'm competing in bodybuilding championships and get myself down to a very low level of body fat, I may look fantastic, but I feel terrible. People come up to me and say, I'd love to look like you, and I have to say to them, yes, but you wouldn't want to feel like me right now. Balance. This is why you should be aiming to balance looking good with feeling good. 
A lot of women come to me saying that they want well-defined abs, but I have to ask them to be realistic. The average woman has 30% body fat. For a woman to reduce her body fat enough to have visible abs would entail a dangerous degree of weight loss that could have consequences for her entire body. Another point I can't emphasize enough is that how you feel about how you look often depends on the company you keep. If you're spending a lot of time in the gym surrounded by people who are in phenomenal shape, your perception of what is normal is going to be a bit distorted. You need to be aware that this perception isn't shared by everybody. To take a very obvious example, my wife can't stand it when I'm on stage competing in the best shape ever. She just hates that look, and the same goes for a lot of women who comment on the pictures that I post online, whereas the men think I look great. Balance is vital when it comes to nutrition. You need to focus on getting the right proportions of the macronutrients, the proteins, fats and carbs, and maintaining that calorie deficit, while also making sure that you're getting all the micronutrients, the vitamins and nutrients. If you can get 80-90% to 90 of your food from good quality sources that will contain the micronutrients, you can afford to be relaxed about a couple of ice creams or a couple of glasses of wine. In fact, this 10 or 20% of highly pleasurable intake may not be nourishing your body, but it's nonetheless providing important psychological nutrition. You're enjoying consuming it and it's protecting you from the fatal, all-or-nothing view of the world, which dictates that the minute you let a crisp pass your lips, you may as well give up on the whole enterprise and go off and binge. Case study. Unhealthy weight loss. Most people now know that crash diets tend not to work, but there is little understanding of how dangerous that can be. A recent study described the case of a man who lost 10 kilos over 12 weeks. Superficially, this was good news, but when he had a scan that analysed his fat levels, bone density and muscle mass, it was revealed that he had lost 8 kilos in muscle mass and only 2 kilos of fat. He had in fact been eating too little and exercising too much. It is worth noting that it is vital not to lose muscle mass, especially when you get older as you need a certain level of muscle mass to stay mobile and physically independent. You also have to bear in mind what your body is used to. I can cope with my own quite demanding regime because I spent seven years in the army eating good quality food and training hard. You can't just go from complete couch potato to lean mean machine in the blink of an eye. You need to build a solid foundation of diet and exercise before you really start pushing your body. Tips for changing how you feel. Maintaining the right balance of nutrients will help you feel good and look good. Don't have unrealistic expectations for yourself. There is no need for you to have the physique of a bodybuilder unless you are planning to make a career out of it. Bodybuilders who have dieted to very low levels of body fat may look great, but they feel terrible. Allowing yourself that glass of wine or that ice cream makes you feel better and it has a real psychological benefit. Pace yourself. You'll get better results if you build up your level of exercise slowly. Think. Do. The paradox we have here is that a lot of people just want to find themselves doing the right thing without having to give it a great deal of thought. And in the other camp, we have a lot of people who know the right things to do and who think about them constantly, but can't actually bring themselves to do them. Just do it. But there is a lot you can do towards weight loss and fitness that actually needs very little thought or planning. Holding out for the perfect diet or exercise plan could be preventing you from doing something very simple like getting off the bus or train a stop earlier and instantly adding to the number of calories you're burning every day. 
If you find the prospect of a complicated gym routine a bit daunting, then perhaps a simple goal like 10,000 steps a day is more suitable for you. And these days there are plenty of clever devices that can tell you exactly how many calories you are burning when you do this. If you're taking 10,000 steps a day, that's the equivalent of walking 5 miles. And just doing that will burn an additional 400 to 500 calories a day. That, for a lot of people, is effort enough not only to lose weight, but maintain weight loss as well. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that a lot of it is down to willpower. The way I explain it to my clients is that your willpower is like a phone battery. When you wake up in the morning, it's at 100%. As you go throughout the day, it gets depleted. And when it gets depleted, the harder it is to say no to things. When you're tired and you don't have much willpower, that's the time when you overeat. Sleep is therefore very important. A lot of people don't get enough sleep or they have too much sleep. If someone currently getting 9 hours of sleep a day got up an hour earlier, they would be about 200 to 300 calories a day better off because they're moving for an additional hour every day. So there are no excuses for not getting on with some simple changes many of them easily incorporated into your present routine that you can start right away and will make a visible difference if you stick with them. Think it through. So you're up and running, perhaps literally. Now's the time to look at how you can refine your approach, understand how you function and make progress, building on the quick wins you have had from getting moving. Everyone is different. And to fine-tune your approach, you need to find out about how your body works and to think about how your daily routines affect that. You will have noticed how there are some lucky people who seem to be able to eat like a horse and never put on any weight. What's happening here is NEAT, otherwise known as non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Basically, these people are very fidgety. They tend to wander up and down when they're talking on the phone, when they're sitting down, they're waggling a foot and so on. Because they're always on the move, they're burning an extra 500 to 600 calories a day. You may not want to adopt a habit of hyperactivity, but there is a lesson in there that might be helpful. Case study. One of my clients was a 42-year-old woman whom I was helping prepare for a show. What I couldn't understand was that she was consuming the same number of calories a day as I was, around 2,600. Normally, women burn off calories far more slowly than men, so it was a mystery to me how she was managing to bring her body fat down while eating so much. Then I realised that she was a beautician and she saw around 12 to 14 clients every day. She was on her feet all day, doing back massages, bending, kneeling and lifting weights as well, so she was moving around a lot more than I was. Here is my list of points when it comes to thinking and doing. Think. Understand your patterns of eating, sleeping and moving. Pinpoint bad habits you may have taken for granted. Identify your most productive and most creative times of day. Do. Take action. Start factoring a longer walk, taking the stairs instead of the lift into your day. Get a pedometer so you can have the satisfaction of knowing you've done your 10,000 steps a day. Dance your favourite tracks for a few minutes every day. Good for the body and uplifting for the spirits. Timing is all. Just as your willpower is stronger when you're not tired, your mind works differently at different times of day. You can take advantage of that to help you think things through and to solve problems or to generate creative ideas. Personally, my thinking time is early in the morning 
at 5.30 to 6.30 a.m. It's good because that is when I have the least distraction in my day. If I have to plan or map anything out, I've allocated that time to be able to do it. When it comes to having bright ideas, it's often at times when you're very relaxed that new and creative thoughts seem to drift into your head spontaneously. This is where writing things down can serve you well, as you can capture these original ideas before they drift off again. From a business point of view, this might be the sort of time that you could use productively to explore new possibilities for your business. For me, this creative time is before lunch, but it could perhaps be in the evening when you're pleasantly tired but not exhausted. And of course, for many people, it's when they're in the bath or shower. And don't forget about how other people, your potential clients, your target audience, will be using their time. If you're using social media, lunchtimes and evenings will be the best time to reach out to them. They will probably be more open to your offer on a Friday afternoon than at any other time. Summary By way of summary, I'm sharing with you my own high-level look, feel, think, do list. Look Keep track of calories. Exercise regularly. Get enough rest and sleep. Drink plenty of water. Feel. Listen to your body. Practice gratitude. Care about others. Be kind. Think. Read 30 minutes a day. One hour power walk daily. Journal thoughts weekly. Always ask questions. Do. Write down thoughts and actions. Be a man of your word. Practice what you preach. Set long and short-term goals. The key idea is balance. Don't let the focus on looking good be at the expense of feeling good. Don't let thought crowd out action. Get the most out of doing by applying effective thinking to it. My challenge is for you. Have a look at your calorie intake and ask yourself how it's making you feel. Identify what things you're doing without thinking or if there are any things that you're thinking about but never get round to doing. Tweet me at Grenade Joe to own up. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. My time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Yeah. So what are you afraid?